Hello, my friend, and welcome to the Mark Stuchowski Podcast, the show that's all about helping you perform at an optimum level. I am Mr. Productivity, and it is my obsession in life to teach you how to be more productive in our distracted world. And one of the ways I do that is by inviting you to take the seven-day productivity challenge. Give me two minutes a day for a week, and I will teach you strategies on how to be more productive. You can get the seven-day productivity challenge simply by going to my website, Mr. Productivity.com. Mr. is all spelled out. Mr. Productivity.com. Today on the podcast, Terry Maxwell. She is a successful serial entrepreneur. She once started a purposeful shark tank, but it failed. We're going to talk about failure. She also learned the power of the pivot, and her mantra is earn from your mistakes. This is an incredible episode. So fasten your seatbelts, grab that notebook. And learn because you are going to learn so much in the next 30 minutes. Terry, what is up? Well, hey, Mark, I'm staying warm here in Texas and looking forward to an exciting 2020. Yes, it's going to be here in just over a month because we're releasing this on November 26th. Thanksgiving comes up this Friday or this Thursday. And uh, I, you know, I love being in the South for winter when it's like, especially I'm from Rochester, New York originally. And when they get like snow and it's five degrees, I like come up and say, Hey, it's 75 degrees down here. Uh, (laughs) So I kind of like rub it in their face. And this is a good time to do that because some of the weather reports in the Northeast uh, and the Rocky mountains, I'm like, how do people live in this? Yes. Well, I did until 1997 when I moved down uh, to Houston, Texas from Rochester, New York. I remember the two, three months of, you know, single digit temperatures and the blizzards and the ice storms. No, I, I, no, no. Yeah, we have to deal with hurricanes down here or tornadoes or torrential rains, but you don't get four months straight of it. So that's how I justify it. So anyways, so I'm so glad you're on the show. Before we get into the topic of what we're going to talk about on the show today, take about 60 seconds and tell the audience who you are and what you do. Yeah. So Terry Maxwell, I'm a serial entrepreneur that was, had a purposeful awakening in 2008, 2009, and I sold my business, shut it down and it was a successful business. It did about just under 10 million a year. And I shut it down and said, I'm going to f- find a way to make money and do good in the world. And so I, I set up a incubator that we now call a purposeful cultivator. So we cultivate purposeful ideas and we launch them into the marketplace. Nice. Well, the reason I really wanted to talk to you is one of my favorite topics in the world is failure. I love talking about failure. Because here's the thing. When you look at the most successful people in the world, they failed a lot. And I believe, and you can give me your your spin on this, Terry, when it comes to failing, you can do two things. You can complain, whine, groan, blame people, or you can use it as a learning opportunity. And my my thesis is most people go, well, that didn't work. And they grumble, 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 complain, complain, complain. And they don't learn the lesson. Instead, they complain. So talk to us a little bit about failure. Yeah. So I, I think um, my one of my quotes is earn from your mistakes. Don't just learn from your mistakes, but earn from your mistakes. And as an entrepreneur, failure is how you build a business. So it's not like 
something that you try to avoid. You actually purposefully choose to fail because it's through failure that you figure out what really works. And any successful entrepreneur will tell you that. Um, What was hard in starting Share on Purpose is it was about my heart and soul. It wasn't just a business. So it wasn't just a mental game for me and exercise and I need to you know, try these prototypes and fail until I figure out what works. Like this was like this calling. And so now I'm facing my, my biggest, most soulful idea that I've ever had all coming from this pure place inside me. And yet I'm still failing. And, and so it was this double-edged sword for me um, when we launched Share on Purpose and we started investing in purposeful ideas. The, the theory seemed beautiful. Like It's like this purposeful shark tank. Like Who wouldn't want a serial entrepreneur who really cares about doing good in the world to invest in your business and show you how to do it? Everybody. We had a line you know, out the door with people pitching their ideas. The problem was the failure that I experienced in those early stages and even uh, in 2018, it really affected me at a different level. And so it, it became less about the process of building a business through failure and more about evolving into a better leader through failure. Hmm. I love that because you, you talk about Shark Tank, and of course, everyone's heard of Shark Tank on ABC. Uh, I, I, do you watch Shark Tank? I'm assuming you must watch Shark Tank. I do. Um, it's uh, it's a little bit too much about the money and less about the idea and how the idea makes the world better for me. But um, you know, if you just take that concept and you put to it the fact that we're trying to solve big problems in the world that um, aren't just about making money, that's pretty much what we do. But it's a fascinating concept to say what makes a good business and what really works and how do you make money trying to do good in the world? Yeah, well, I can I can give testimony to the fact that just because you built it, they will not come. Uh, right. I released a course, uh, uh, what's it? I think it was about four or five months ago. In the summer of 2019, I released a course called The Basics of Productivity. And I thought I did everything right. I went out and got people to uh, review the course in exchange for an honest testimonial. They went through the course. They loved the course, but the course failed because I was stuck in the mindset that if I build it, I am Mr. Productivity. I am Mark Stuchowski. Surely I make $20 trillion just because I created the course. Well, that doesn't apply just because I built it people didn't know what it was. So then I, you know, again, go back to what I talked about failure. I could have said, oh, that was stupid. That didn't work. I had validation. It was a great course. Okay. What did I do wrong? Well, it wasn't the content of the course. It was like, oh yeah, nobody knew about it. <laughs> so, right. so now I'm going back and going, okay, what do I have to do now? And there's a reason why, uh, who's that guy that does the launch product launch formula? Um, Jeff, I can't think of his Walker. name. Walker. Jeff Walker. There's a reason why you do a pre-pre-launch, a pre-launch, yep, a launch. Exactly. And, and so I realized it wasn't the content. I did not fail in terms of the course. I didn't do my due diligence. I said, oh, I don't need to do Jeff Walker. I mean, hey, he's made billions of dollars in Brendan Burchard. They don't know what they're talking about. Yeah, they do. Okay. Yeah. There's a reason why they teach what they teach. But my point is, is I could have very easily just given up saying I'm not going to be a productivity coach anymore. I'm not going to be more courts. I'm, you know, I'm going back to work at McDonald's or wherever the case may be. I just give up. But I didn't. I, I, I took my beating. I took my stings. And I'm like, okay. What can I learn from here? And I, I think that's what I see a lot of people don't do. They just give up. And that's the worst thing you can do because there's a lesson to be learned. 
Yeah. And, you know, you hit the nail on the head is the the reason why you started the business or built the product is not the reason why the buyer would buy it. And we get so focused on, and that was really the mistake that I made. It was a big aha for me, like my calling to invest in purposeful ideas and to launch purposeful ideas is not the reason why people would buy those ideas. And yet I was so attached to the reason why I was doing it. And and, and in essence, it became about my passion and, and what I was about rather than what the buyer really needed. And at the end of the day, people buy products that they need or want or things that solve problems. And if you don't talk about your product from their perspective, um, there's so much noise in the world, they're just going to bounce right off your website. And we all remember when Steve Jobs released the first iPod. They did not say it was an MP3 player. They said a thousand songs in your pocket. That's what people wanted. They didn't want another gizmo. They wanted a thousand songs in their pocket. And so you're, you're spot on about that. And we have to realize as people, as you and I, we are service providers, we're coaches, we're trainers. We want to create courses to provide value, but we also want the income. But like you said, that's not why people then go, oh, man, I can't wait to you know, buy Terry's course because I give her money. No one ever thinks that. No one thinks that. They think, oh, what's in it for me? And I think we need to get in that frame of mind. And when we're creating a product, first of all, before we create it, we should find out if there's a need and, and then find out, okay, what do you want in the course? How do you want it to look at? Unless you're a company like Apple. What, but even then, they do look at their feedback portal and you can go to apple.com slash feedback and give suggestions. Apparently, that's how the iPhone SE was created based on people's feedback. So you need to listen to your not only your customers, but your prospective customers. I'm reading a great book right now called The Lean Startup by Eric Rice. Mm, and and he talks about that in the beginning of IMVU, uh, the company he owned, they were, well, we know what the customer wants. No, you didn't. They they realized they made a lot of mistakes. They didn't take the time to go, okay, what do they really want? Not what we want, I mean, we can have the product for free. I mean, we're making it. But what do the customers want? And I think we need to do that as entrepreneurs. Exactly. And it and that's where the iterative process that, um, and we teach the same thing. It's an iteration of crawl, walk, run. You got to figure out what the idea really is and why buyers would buy it, what problem it solves. Then secondly, you've got to begin to build a prototype and test the marketing of it before you actually build the product. Most of the companies that we launch even though we might have a website for that concept that makes it look like it's fully launched, we're in the early stages of testing it. And then you can actually launch it once you know you have a repeatable, scalable product and you have a repeatable, scalable way to generate demand for that product. Now, one of my favorite words that you mentioned in the information you sent me, and also it's in the Lean Startup, is pivoting. A lot of people, they don't I don't know if they're not really paying attention or they're stuck in their ways, but there comes a time when you have to pivot your, your idea. Maybe your idea is one thing, but the customers is another idea and you have to pivot to make a product or a service that's going to align with what they're looking for. So talk us a little bit about the power of the pivot. Yeah, Eric is one of my all-time favorite leaders because of this little idea that he had about a pivot. And as a serial entrepreneur, I was unconsciously making pivots all the time. But he has a way 
of talking about pivots so that you course correct more quickly. And it's really about pivoting your execution and pivoting your strategy, but not changing your vision. So rarely is it that your vision needs to change. It's really, you know, or why you're doing something. It's really what you're doing or how you're doing it that needs to change. Now, when you well, give us an example of a time where you had a pivot that you didn't want to pivot, you you <laughs> had your idea of the way the, the product or service should go, but the evidence was there where you had a pivot. So share share with us a story about that. Yeah, it's probably my favorite failure mistake. Um, so we we launched this portfolio 2010, 2011. Uh, you know, like I said, I had people waiting at the door and I invested over a million dollars in purposeful ideas. And in 2012, they all started falling apart. And so piece by piece, I you know bought some people out. We shut some things down. I picked up the pieces and started putting it together and, and really made some strategic pivots. Not my vision hadn't changed, but just the strategy of how we got there changed. And man, things just took out. 2014, 2015, 2016, things were working. 2017, I started turning over our largest business to a management team. That was always our vision, is I would build these concepts and turn them over to our employee leaders or emerging leaders to run them. It's a beautiful thing. Like they get a chance, you know, to run, to learn how to run a company. Um, from day one of their career and go through this great leadership development program. It's beautiful on the surface. And so I had these amazing leaders that we had identified. We've been working with them for a year. The business is, you know, 2 million in annual revenue going on three. I walk them through this, you know, wonderful transition process. They think they've got it. I think they've got it. Boom. I shift my focus over to another concept and start launching that concept in about six months into it. 2018, the revenues started falling. We started losing clients. I didn't catch it right away. Come to find out they were not ready to run those business, that, that business, not through any fault of their own, but because I had missed about six key things that I didn't teach them mm. that were unconscious competence in me that I didn't know. And so we had to completely change the management team of that business as it's running and as it's going from you know, just under 3 million to 2 million to 1 million to under a million, I had to make those changes very, very quickly in a very short period of time to turn that business around. And it it almost completely cratered and we lost about $600,000 in a year um, from that concept. And when I really stepped back and, and asked myself the hard question, which is why didn't I make the change sooner? Like all of the warning signs were there, you know, the revenue was falling, we were losing clients, yet I kind of bought into the fact that, you know, oh, well, it's the, there was always some reason why it was happening and I didn't really stop and dig in. And the reason was because I really wanted to serve them. Like I really wanted them to be successful. And it's kind of like sometimes you can see people's potential, um, but you don't always see their reality. And that's what I was stuck in. I was seeing the potential of the business and these leaders leading the business, but I wasn't seeing the reality. And I think you have to look at both. You can't ever let go of the dream. You can't ever let go of the potential of a product or a business, but you have to be honest with yourself about reality. And that was the big mistake that I made. That's very interesting. Thank you for sharing with us uh, that. And I like how you say more uh, warning signs. We all see these warning signs, but sometimes if we have tunnel vision, we tend to dismiss or maybe outright ignore the warning signs, which could cause problems that you just illustrated for us. 
Yeah. And it's called, the technical term is cognitive dissonance, D-I-S-S-O, dissonance. And, and it's a human aspect that we see what we want to see. Our perception is shaped by the reality that we create in our mind. And the key is to maintain a clear view on the reality. Keep your perception on the way you want things to be, not on what's not working, but be honest with yourself about what's not working. And that's the mistake that I made. Other than cognizant, cognitive dissonance, you can tell I don't say that word a lot, and the failure to pivot, what are some of the mistakes that you see that entrepreneurs make that may be uh, stunting their growth for their business or their brand? Yeah, great question. The biggest is the fear of fear. Um, and so what happens is like, you know, you have to learn how to generate demand for your business, marketing and sales. And people have a natural resistance to doing that. And so they go through the motions of pretending that they're doing it, but they, every time they pick up the phone or go to send an email, they feel afraid. And because they don't like that feeling of fear, then they avoid the action they need to take. And typically, the, the fear that you're fe- feeling is an indication of the fact that you're going in the right direction. So that kind of fear, not the kind of fear of a dark alley where you're feeling unsafe, but the fear that you're doing something you don't know how to do or that you're, you're doing something that's out of your comfort zone, that's actually a good fear. And so what you want to do is you want to pay attention. And when that fear happens, you don't want to avoid the action. You instead want to face the fear and then take the action in spite of the fear. Is fear of success a real thing for entrepreneurs? It is. And um, I did a a fear mapping research project over a 10-year period and found that there are 14 fears. And what I call the big four um, is uh, fear of uh, not being good enough, fear of success, need to know, meaning I need to know how this is going to work is number three. And then you've got fear of success. The weird thing about fear of success is until you get past not good enough, you can't identify that you actually have fear of success. So you've got to realize that you are good enough just the way you are. And then shortly after you accept that and you work through fear of failure and that type of stuff, then you'll run into fear of success. But typically people, I kind of call it like the mountain behind the hill. You've got to get <laughs> over the hill before you can actually see the mountain. That's interesting because, you know, I, I was fired as my listeners know, I was fired in July, 2005. And I decided to go into the wonderful world known as entrepreneurship. And <laughs> I didn't know what I was. I could barely spell the word. And I just dived in, dove in, dived in, whatever the correct spelling is, who cares? Um, and, and I was really scared. And, and the more I got into it, you know, I started learning all this stuff. Now keep in mind, 2005, Facebook, was just a baby. Twitter was still a baby. There was no Instagram or anything like that. And and I'm like, okay, I got this. I started learning all these concepts, started following all these coaches and you know thought leaders. And then I'm like, oh my gosh, you know, I've never made more than thirty five thousand dollars a year. I'm like, what what if I start making a lot of money? And then and like, is this weird to be afraid of success? I mean, because people go, yeah, yeah well, someday I'm gonna be success. But it's a real it's a real deal. Because um, one of my favorite thought leaders is Brendan Burchard. I mean, I love everything he teaches. I, I listen to his courses, follow the guy. Guy's brilliant. He started with nothing. As guess whatever, everyone starts with nothing. Tony Robbins, Oprah Winfrey, everybody starts at zero. Zero followers, zero income. You can't be, unless you're a trust fund baby, you're, you're not born in success. And to listen to their stories and realize, Hey, if they do it, if they did it, then I can do it. I love what Grant Cardone says that if someone has already done what you've done in the world, it's provable that it's been done. It can be done. And I think a lot of people go, yeah, but not me. You don't know me. I can't do it. I'm like, well, everybody else has done it. 
And and so I think the fear of success is very real. Yeah. And fear of success is about the consequence of success. Um, just like fear of failure is about the consequence of failure. My identity would be questioned, you know, imposter syndrome with, with fear of failure. Fear of success is also about the consequence of sex, success. Maybe I won't know how to be in the world if I'm wealthy. Maybe people will take advantage of me if I'm successful. Maybe I won't know how to trust people. Maybe my friends won't want to be around me because I'm different. So, the, the, the key with fear of success and why I call it the mountain behind the hill is it's the exact same thing. You're, you're afraid of the consequence of something, but you're using your imagination to make that up. So why not use your imagination to put a positive spin on it? And the really cool thing about being successful is you get to choose your friends. You get to choose who you hang out with. You get to choose who you hire. It's really about freedom. If you can give up control and really focus on the freedom you can overcome fear of success because you now have a choice in who you hire and who you hang out with. You know, I've never heard that phrase of consequences of success before, but you know, when you explained it, it makes an awful lot of sense. Yeah. Cause the people that you know, that know you today, you know, they're, they're, they're going to feel differently around you. I know the first time I was on the cover of a magazine and the first time the New York times wrote about me, my friends started treating me differently. And it was like, you know, like, Oh, who do you think you are? And we don't like how that feels. Mm. Um, and so the, the idea that somehow, uh, you know, people aren't going to treat me the same way, or they're going to try to take advantage of me. That's a real thing. And so if you can just acknowledge that, you know, yeah, there are consequences to success, but the best consequence is freedom and that you get to choose who you're in relationship with and who you hire. And if somebody doesn't like who you're becoming, when too bad. <laughs> I love that. I remember something that Brendan once said that, uh, you know, when he was growing his business, you know, he, he always said, you know, I want to be on the same stage as, as Tony Robbins and Oprah Winfrey and Deepak Chopra or whatever. And most people go, Oh, those people are so big. They're giants. And I can never, they're human beings. Right. Who says you can't be in their stratosphere. You got to put in the work, you got to put in the time. And so I don't look at like, Oh my gosh, you know, Brendan Burchard's a God, you know, Tony Robbins, a God. No, they're human beings. And when I get my level up that high, who knows, I may be on their stage someday. And right. I think it's all it has to do with your, how you frame your mindset. If you go, well, I wish I could be as big as Brendan. Well, he started with nothing. I wish I could be as big as Oprah. She started with nothing. So, but they put the work in, they put the time in and that's where they are. And their names are synonymous with high performing individuals. But if you sit there and go, Oh, I could never do that. So you go right to the negativity. Well, yeah, you probably never will because you're already limiting yourself by what you're, what you're saying. Exactly. And if you think about it too, all of those people that did had one thing in common and that was perseverance. They yes. persevered through their fear and you can too. And, and maybe you don't want to be, be as big as them or, or maybe, you know, the circumstances are different for you, but it doesn't matter. The question is, who do you want to be and what are you willing to do to get there? Very well. So let me ask you this question. When you're having one of those days where you're just not feeling it, I mean, you're just, you know what you got to do. And let's say you don't have any clients that particular day. You're just, you're just not feeling it. How do you handle that? Yeah. So um, there's a couple of techniques that I use. Number one, I use music. I get into state. So I trained under Tony Robbins. I learned how to get myself into a performance state and music and movement is a big part of that. 
Secondly, is I have a couple of key things like um, certain meditations, Joe Dispenza's meditations that when I'm down and my energy is just not, not strong, that I'll listen to one of those meditations and shift my energy. And then the third thing is sometimes I just take a break. Sometimes I'm like, I'm not feeling it. I'm going to go take a nap. I'm going to feel sorry for myself for the next hour. And, uh, and I'm still okay in, fi- in spite of the fact that I'm feeling sorry for myself. And then lastly is action. Um, if action is one of the things that uh, if, you, if you're not sure what to do, just get into action and it will build momentum. So action um, precedes momentum and momentum precedes success. So if you, um, if you can manage your emotions through one of those other three things that I, I talked about, you know, whether sometimes it's feeling sorry for yourself or meditation or music and movement, then the, the next logical thing is get into action and action builds momentum and momentum precedes success. One of the things I love that Tony Robbins says is don't stand still. So it's better to move in the wrong direction than not move at all. I love what he says is because at least you're moving. A lot of people, they're, they're staying in one spot and they don't want to move unless they're absolutely 100% sure that next step is the right step. Well, you may be waiting a very long time. And I like how he says, just move. Okay. If you can move in the wrong direction, you can turn around and move the other direction, but you got to move. So I think that's really important. The other thing he says I really love is something we need to do more of is do belly laughs. He goes, you talk about something that changes your state is to do a big belly laugh. Now, you don't want to do this when you're in traffic court in front of the judge or when the police officer pulls you over. There's certain times it's not appropriate, but when you're feeling really stressed, nothing is going to change your um your 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 state quite like a big belly laugh. And I and I, I did a video on this not too long ago. When's the last time someone did a big belly laugh? I mean, a really gut-wrenching belly laugh where you've got tears coming out of your eyes. And you can't be angry when you're doing that. That's the funny thing about it. I use that all the time. And, you know, when, particularly when I feel like I failed or, or when it just seems like the cards are stacked against me, I'll just do a rip roaring laugh and slap my knee and just chuckle. And then it, it's like, yeah, well, you know, God's playing a funny little joke on me here and, and everything is fine after that. I love it. So if you could give us one tip, one simple tip, tip, because I'm really uh, fascinated and just love the concept of simplicity. Somebody wants to grow their business and they they come to you and you can only give them 30 seconds of your time. What is one very simple tip that anyone listening to our conversation today can implement today that would help their business grow in the right direction? What would you tell them? Yeah, I've, I, I boil it down to one statement, stop selling and start serving. And if you will just find a way to serve your target market now and not wait until they quote unquote buy from you. Um, you'll win every single time. That's how I built every single business is I like, okay, well, who am I going to serve with this product that I'm building? And I just go spend time with them and I try to serve them now. When I first became an entrepreneur, Target was my first client. And, um, you know, that's pretty cool to start and target your first client. But I started and did a free project for them and, um, and basically offered my time for free. And then they hired me. And then the next thing you know, you know, I built a business and I got my second client. So stop selling and start serving. Just find your target market and just find ways to pour into them now. Um, and as you do that, you're testing your product or your business or whatever it is. Even if you're giving some of that away for free, you will figure out what it is they want. You will figure out what it is they care about. You'll feel good about what you're doing. And eventually they'll buy from you. You know, I'm a testament to that. When I first became an entrepreneur, it was all about the money. And I think people could smell that. They can go, oh, 
He doesn't care about me, cares about the money. And it wasn't until about a year or two ago that I finally realized, oh, wait a minute, I need to serve people first. And now, since I've been serving people, now I'm getting more followers. People are contacting me through DMs and emails and stuff like that because now I'm learning, I'm leading by serving. And it's a very tough lesson because when you need income, you want to make it all about the money. But the key is to serve people. And so I'm always asking people, how can I help? One of my, my wife and I's favorite TV shows is a show called New Amsterdam. Um, and a, a show about a medical director. And he always has this line, how can I help? And I think more people need to ask that question. How can I help? Because sometimes somebody, you just need to ask, oh, you know, I'm having a problem with thus and such. Well, I know somebody can help you with that. But if you don't ask, if we just stay in our own little world and we don't open our eyes and see what the people need out there, well, as I can tell you with my photography business that failed and some other things I did that failed when it was all about the money, it's never a good recipe. When I started serving people, now all of a sudden the wheels start moving in the right direction. Absolutely. And that's, that's just my motto with every business and every entrepreneur that I coach. It's stop selling and start serving. And it is through service that you will find the way to success. Absolutely. So where can we find more about you online? Yeah. So uh, Succeed on Purpose is where most of my personal work is. And so that would probably be the best place. Um, We've got a great vibrant community on Facebook on Succeed on Purpose, also on LinkedIn as well. And I've got a really cool concept that we're launching this week, actually. And it's called Shiftco, S-H-I-F-T-C-O.org. And it's a conscious entrepreneur community for entrepreneurs that are trying to make money and do good in the world. So that website will be going up this week and I'm really excited about it. Excellent. Well, thank you so much for taking the time out of your day to be on the Mark Stuchowski podcast. I really appreciate the insights and the wisdom you dropped on us today. So thank you so much. Thanks, Mark, for having me. And just before we go, don't forget to head on over to my website, mrproductivity.com, and register for the free seven-day productivity challenge. You give me two minutes a day for a week, and I will teach you how to be more productive. While you're there, you can also click on the contact tab or connect with me on the social media platforms. You can get those links at the bottom of my homepage and send me a message. What do you think of the episode? What do you think of the podcast? I really want to hear from you. If you've never sent me a message or if you have, I'd love to hear from you. Just go to mrproductivity.com. Unless, of course, we're already connected on social media. Just go ahead and send me a DM. I love hearing from you. I want to thank you so much for your time and attention for listening to this episode of the Mark Stuchowski podcast. If you haven't done so already, please subscribe and then tell a couple of your friend, friends, family, maybe in some of your enemies about the Mark Stuchowski podcast. It would mean the world to me. Until we meet again, my friend, go be productive.